This is Russell Wilson, quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, wishing a happy 50th anniversary to Mercer Island High School's KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. Go Hawks. Let's go. Championship season. Hello, everyone. I'm Gabe Gottesman from 88.9 The Bridge. A few weeks ago, the Mercer Island community lost Ed Peppel, a legendary basketball coach from Mercer Island High School and an incredibly impactful person to all who knew him. Coach Peppel won 23 Kinko championships and four state championships from 1967 to 2010. Coach Peppel was inducted into the National High School Athletics Coaches Association Hall of Fame in 2006 and the Washington Sports Hall of Fame in 2012. Mr. Peppel was a hero to all his players and inspired so many in our community. For the next half hour, we will pay tribute to a Mercer Island legend, and we will begin with a moment of silence. Thank you. Coming up, you'll hear from Mr. Peppel's former assistant coaches and players. But first, a word from Coach himself. What I did at Mercer Island, and you can, when you think about it, you will totally see it. I changed the culture at Mercer Island High School. <clears throat> when I came in, the first football game, uh, I go to the game, and, and Mercer Island's ahead in the, with four minutes to go in the game. And they're ahead, I think it was 13 to 7. Davis gets the ball and they come down the field. They get to about the 45 yard line with four, less than four minutes, three and a half minutes to go. And all of a sudden, the guy goes back for a pass. He throws a pass to an African American halfback who was a hell of an athlete. Eventually, he was a starter at Stanford University. He goes literally through the entire team and scores. 14-13, Davis wins. So now, Tad Christensen, who is the guy that hired me on the park bench at the, at the uh, Seattle Center, outside of the repertory theater, Tad Christensen was having a party because there were new coaches. Baseball coach was new and several other coaches were new and I was new. So now, we're at this party and I hear this football coach saying, well, same old, same old, Mercer Islanditis. And I said, what, what do you mean Mercer Islanditis? He said, well, it's the same old thing. I said, Mercer Islanditis. And the definition of Mercer Islanditis was, if you're behind, you can't catch up. And if you're ahead, you can't protect the lead. That's what the, was being spread in the locker room, in, in the community, and talked about within the team and the staff and all that. And I got into it with the guy. I said, well, I said, I think that's, that's a term that we should can. I think that term, that term, that term, Mercer Islanders, has no benefit for Mercer Island. It has no benefit for the players. It has no benefit for the team, the uh, coaches. It has no benefits at all. So I'm suggesting that we get rid of that. And of course we, you know, we, and then I kind of walked away. So I, I knew then, the first thing is, these guys got to learn how to win. Okay, so high school, Everett Community College, uh, University of Utah, uh, 
Marine Corps. I won everywhere I was. I knew how to win. I knew how to be on a team. And if there was one thing that I could bring to the table, it was to try to keep guys working for each other. Because I, that's the only way I ever survived as a player was I tried to make other guys better or help them be better. It was, it was my idea of how you get a culture established, the right culture established. How did you recognize that player on your teams? The one that, you know, that, that helped everybody else become better and that raised them up too. Did, was that something that stood out? Could you tell right away that they were looking for other people? Sure. Sure. I mean, okay. So uh, it's a character. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example of a game, the first home game that we played. Okay. Okay. And uh, our front line was Steve Hawes, Jeff Hawes, Gordy McMillan. Well, the first thing, when we had our first meeting, uh, uh, when I came to Mercer Island, we had the first meeting, and I said, okay, they said, uh, just so you know it, there is no such word in the dictionary as Mercer Islanditis. So, shit can that. And what that means is that now, when we're behind, we're only behind. We're not losing. In the past, it's been, we're losing 13 to 7. Well, we weren't, we're not losing, we're only behind. The only thing that can happen that's negative is that the clock will run out before we can catch up. And that's what could happen, but that's, but we're not planning on that happening, okay? And so I talked about, I, I talked about the fact that, and when we're ahead, we're gonna be, we're gonna know exactly what we're gonna do when we're ahead, how to protect the lead, uh, and it's not going to be a problem. So when we get ahead, they're going to have, they're going to play hell trying to catch up with us. They're going to have their itis. And say, hey, we're going to start by everybody getting their haircuts. I'm a Marine, and I got short hair, you and I'm jealous. You did all those guys cut their hair, didn't you? I did. Yeah. That was the first thing I did. And I remember that. Yeah. And Ron Cohn almost didn't play because he didn't want to cut their hair. That was that was a, the most ill-timed concept in the world. But what I wanted to, here's what my thoughts were. Number one, I want everybody in the school and everybody in the stands and everybody in the community to know who's on the basketball team. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to cut our hair. So when, when school starts, and, or the season starts, and everybody tries out, the ones that come in with haircuts are the ones that were good enough to make the team. And so that's what we did. We are going to change this culture. It's not going to be that way anymore. We are not, when we're behind, we're going to catch up. And when we're ahead, we're going to just shut them down, step on our throats, and break their Adam's apple. That's the way it's going to work. I'm asking you guys to sacrifice for each other so that you're all the same. That's the thing you need in a team. You need everybody to be the same. Did you do that anywhere else? Did you do that at Meadowdale, Mark? Everywhere you everywhere. coach, they cut their hair. Everywhere. Okay. Everywhere. Okay. And I got a little soft at times oh. later on in the season. You know, but uh, for the most part, what I wanted them to do is walk out of that barbershop and into the school hallway and say, oh, geez, Seth made the damn team. Mm -hmm. You know, before I even put the list up, mm -hmm. 
They knew who, they knew who was on the team. Mm -hmm. And when we walked into the gym, did you know when Mercerano walked into the state tournament gym? Could you tell who Mercerano was when they walked into the Tacoma Dome for the state tournament? How did you know who they were? Because they had maroon blazers on. They were the only ones that had coats and ties and maroon blazers. And so pride and appearance was part of it. Pride in performance, pride in, in, in appearance, pride in attitude, pride in giving and not just receiving. The whole thing was about attitude. So when I talk about fundamentals and say, well, what's most important fundamental? And the, there's no question in my mind what the most important fundamental is. It's attitude. Give me a guy with attitude, with the right attitude, and he, he'll be able to help us. He'll make some kind of a contribution. Our, our game plan over the long period of time had to do with uh, our meetings were as important or more important than our practices or our games. That first year when you walked in there and you had Steve Oz and Jeff Oz on your team, the other guys weren't bad either. No, no. What was that like? Was that a big step for Mark uh, yeah. Morris as yeah. far as quality? Well, here's, the, here's the deal. There are so many great players that had the privilege to play for Mercer Island during Coach Peppel's 42-year tenure. One of the most legendary names to play under Peppel is Steve Haas. Haas averaged 28 points in his senior year playing for the Islanders and went on to play for the Washington Huskies in college and also played in the NBA for a decade from 1974 to 1984. I had the pleasure to interview Mr. Haas earlier this year about his career. I asked him about what made Ed Peppel such a special coach and person. And like all the players that played basketball for MI between 1967 and 2010, Haas raves about how much Coach Pebble taught him on and off the court. He was the first coach I had that was very organized. I had a plan. You know, the thing that probably stuck out more than anything to me in retrospect was uh, is his attention to detail, that everything everything we do, there's a, I'm talking about on the basketball court, and of course that extends to the rest of life too, but uh, everything is done for a reason, and there's there's one way to do it right, and there are lots of ways to do it not so well or not so right. So, you know, that stuck with me, and you know, he was passionate about, still is, passionate about the game, and a, a great teacher, had fun, you know, and he, you know, he was a disciplinarian, but a very a real a real person uh it wasn't nothing was forced by him and he had a good sense of humor he loved uh, i just always remember remember his chuckle or his laugh when something happened that, that tickled him so yeah he was a real inspiration and a mentor to me and, and has been a great friend uh all these years and one of my recipes for success is number one not the first one don't get in a pooping contest with a skunk don't get in a pooping contest with a skunk you're not going to win they can poop louder than you can because they're skunks. <laughs> so, uh, and then the second thing was don't burn any bridges anywhere you go. I didn't burn any bridges. I never lost a job that I had in everything I did, including my dancing on the, on the tables in the bar when I was three. I never lost a job, never was fired. I was only promoted. And the third part of it is, Outwork everybody. Don't get in a pooping contest with a skunk. Don't burn any bridges.
And that's the advice I gave Matt when he went into college coaching. I said, that's all I want to tell you. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. I'm not ashamed to say. I hope it always will stay this way. My hat is off. Won't you stand up and take a
It's Karis on KMIH. I'm bringing our community some sad news. On September 14th, Mercer Island High School lost a basketball legend. Coach Ed Peppel has won the most basketball games in Washington history, including 23 Kinko championships and four state championships, five if you count the win over Shadle Park. My uncle, Brett Ogata, got to play and coach alongside Coach Peppel. He joins us now to talk about this hero to many of us. Thanks, Karis, for having me. Do you remember the first time you met Coach Peppel? Yeah, when I first met him, I mean, just like so many people, I was being here forever. He coached 40 plus years at Mercer Island, and I was fortunate enough to play for him in the Little Dribblers program on his select teams, uh, played for him at the high school. So um, that's what I remember of him. I remember uh, watching his games, and, you know, I was at the Shadow Park game, so I, that's kind of my first introduction to Mercer Island basketball, and, and that got me really excited to be able to play for him and, and to join that. Wow. Um, to his summer camps, things like that. So that's, those are the things I had of him. That's how I, how I got to meet him. Wow, that's amazing. Can you tell us what Mercer Island basketball was like when we won several state championships? Yeah, it was, it was the biggest sport at the school um, by far. Everyone, it was just the whole school um, was just, this is so much excitement uh, of the basketball team, how they did and everything, because it was, it's always fun to root on a, a winner, and he was very much had a very winning program and did great every year. Everything, like I said, it, you know, it seemed like the whole school evolved around the, the basketball schedule. The high school, you know, for a long time, scheduled days off for the kids, for the students, when they had the state basketball tournament, because so many students would miss class to go to the basketball games that they just decided, you know what, we'll just not have school and things like that during, and during those days. So it's... Um, so that's that's how big it was, where the school would actually adjust their their schedule for state basketball games. Um, also, like home games, every game was packed. It was standing room only. Um, There's always like sweat coming off the walls and stuff because it was so hot in there. the The animal band was at every home game, and it was just a crazy atmosphere. It seemed like every single student was at the game, and all the students were wearing you know, just the, the Mercer Iron clothes and just, you know, cheering on the team the whole time. And then, you know, lots of times I know like the fire marshal had to come in and close it down because there's just too many people and he had to sort of let, not let people into the game and things like that. So that's, that was the atmosphere uh, during that time. It was, you know, I know it's a lot different now, but during that time it was really fun and, and uh, it, was, it was a great time. Well, that sounds like such an amazing time. I mean, I can't even imagine the school now changing our schedule for one of our sporting teams. What made Coach Peppel such an amazing and successful coach? Well, the one thing about Coach was he was just uh, very organized from the bottom up. It, it started with his, you know, his summer camps. I mean, that's where you really start getting into the young kids, start learning everything and then you just start immediately he just starts teaching the fundamentals to all the players and then he and then you go on from there and you start doing the little dribblers program on Saturdays with them and and he just helps do that to create a connection between the high school and, and the young kids and uh, just to create and develop talent on the island um, and then he had this uh, select travel teams that he started and then those teams started to learn his offenses and his defensive systems so and then these players would just funnel up to his high school program. And that's how he just kept developing and, and feeding himself or his program with well-versed players that really knew what was going on. And because of that, we also, he just created a culture of winning. Um, so when you played most on basketball, uh, you just expected to win Kinko. You were expected to compete for a state championship and just have that mindset the whole time. And that's a, that's a real powerful thing when, when your players believe that you're supposed to do that. 
just such a huge mental edge over the other teams because they're just wanting to compete with Mercerion. Well, Mercerion's like, okay, we got to go in and, and you know, we're, this is just another game for us. We're going to win it and then we're going to move on. So just having that attitude is such a big difference. I think uh, the other thing he really did was he developed really good coaches around him. A lot of the coaches uh, went on to have amazing coaching uh, careers in other places. Several of them went on to coach college basketball and, uh, and then others started other high school programs and were very successful um, at, other, at other high schools. And then the other thing, like I talked about earlier though, which is the epitome of coach, uh, when he coached the basketball part of it, was fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. He just emphasized them over and over again. He would just get on players for the littlest details to make sure that they did those correctly. And he just kept harping on them over and over again. Um, and he never let players get away with not doing those fundamentals right. And, and because of that, it just made us, you know, our fundamentals were so sound and so good that that's just helped us through all those tough situations and, and become really good players. I mean, what a talented coach he sounded like. Now, you're one of the very few people I can ask this to, but what was it like to be a player for him and then coach next to him? It was fun. <laughs> it was really fun. You know, uh, I learned just, you know, as a player, I learned so much basketball strategy and fundamentals uh, from him. But also as a coach, obviously, too, you learn those things. But, you know, really because of so much I learned from him as a player, you know, I started coaching down in California before I started coaching with him. And I was ready to be a basketball coach just because of all the basketball knowledge he instilled in me as a player in terms of just how to do all these fundamentals, right? How to do an offense, how to do a defense and how to think about those things. So that's the influence he had on me in that regards. And then just coaching with him was so much fun because he did so much to let his assistant coaches just coach the game. He took care of all the other stuff that you have to do as a high school coach. So he just allowed us to just coach. And that's really, you know, obviously the, the most fun part is just to be able to coach the kids and coach the game. And then the other thing I really got to see is a different side of coach. Because as, as coach, he's always like, you know, that's coach. I'm always looking up to coach because he's yeah. he's Coach Peppel. But then as I got to know him, you know, I got to see such a different side of him. I saw him joking and laughing. And, you know, as coaches, as colleagues, it, it was fun to be about around that and, and have that with him. Now that you are the head football coach for Kent Ridge High School and have been for Mercer on High School, how how has his coaching influenced your own coaching with football? Well, I think one of the biggest things, and it's really actually, he's, he's actually influenced my teaching too, not just my coaching, is this one quote, this always sticks with me that he said to me, and he says this all the time, he goes, it's not what you say, it's what you emphasize, is what he always would say. He goes, because you can say and teach a lot of different things, but the, the student or the player, what they're going to really do is what you emphasize. So he says, it's great. You can say 5,000 things, but what you emphasize is really what's going to happen. So, and, and that is so true. So I know that that is one quote of his that will always stick with me. And all the things I do, like I said, in coaching, and I do it in teaching all the time too. When, I, when I'm teaching math, I, it's what I emphasize because I see a lot of things in the classroom. But I try to just emphasize certain things because I know that's what is going to happen. I think the other thing about Coach is just the organization of his practices is what I've learned from him. How he was, his practices were down to the minute of what he was going to do in each practice and, and taking that organization and applying it to, you know, me as a football coach. And I learned it through the basketball too, but just, you know, that was such an important thing too. Um, and then how he interacts with the other coaches was important, how he interacts with parents, how he interact with the players, those things I learned from him. And then just, you know, the entire program, just how he 
put everything together from just, you know, the how he developed little kids all the way up to the high school, how he dealt with the booster club, all those things too were just very good. And then I think the other thing I learned from him and probably one of the, probably the most important thing, because when you coach for as long as he did, you got to You've got to be able to do something because if you just, you know, he was such an intense coach and I was always wondering how could he do this being so intense because you can't be intense all the time. Otherwise, you're just going to, you're going to have a short life and he did not have a short life. He, you know, he, he did some amazing things. And what I learned from coaching with him is that, yes, he was very intense during practices and games. And then he was intense even during the, you know, the after game talk to the players. But once he addressed the team, you see the switch go off on him. It was, you know, his time to be a coach is over and you can't do anything about it. So don't worry about it until the next day. It's kind of what he always said. I'm just going to go home and I'm going to be in the moment with my loved ones. And, and really you can't be, you know, and that really prolonged his career because he was able to turn off that intensity because there's a lot of coaches who can't do that. They, they get so mad and frustrated after a game if they lost or something, but he's able to turn it off next day help the kids get better so that was another thing i've learned from him about how not to let a loss or something bother me and just linger with me i learned how to turn off my brain you know my coaching brain so then i can just be with my loved ones and and not worry about the other things and i think that is such an important thing and then having a, a great support system i saw in his family is why he was so successful too so that was also another thing that is, is so valuable. Wow. Sounds like, I mean, you've learned so much from him throughout your years of being close with him. Now, since you were so close with Ed Peppel, what is something that you can share with us that we wouldn't know? Well, I think the one thing, because I wouldn't, you know, uh, you know, even the things you've said and talked about, everyone talks about his wins, his Kinko titles, his, his state championships, and how amazing and great coach he was. But honestly, he was a better man, a husband and father than he was a coach. I mean, a lot of people don't know that about him because Whenever they see him, he's always called coach. They always see him as coach. But, you know, being able to coach with him and, and see him around his family and, and get to know his family, you know, it, it's amazing uh, how great he was with them in those different roles, whatever role it was, as a, like I said, as a man or as a husband or as a father, he was just so good in those roles. And, and I learned so much from that. You know, you take a, a man here who has been married to his wife all those years he coached, um, his whole entire coaching career, he was married to Shirley. And, you know, for her to be with them, you know, there's so many coaches I know that just cannot balance a wife and coaching together. There's so many of them I know that end in divorce, unfortunately, and things like that. But he understood the balance. He understood how to do those things. He understood how to balance with his kids, how to have the balance with his grandkids and his wife and everyone else and his friends. It, it, you know, it's just amazing how he can do that. And I think, you know, that's the one thing I think people don't know about him as much because they just see him as coach. And they don't realize, you know, how great of a man he was with, you know, and, and just being a family man and just, you know, his wife being at every game of his throughout all his career. You know, that's one thing he told me, like, she never missed a game of his. He was at every game. Wow. And, you know, when he started his career, she, she did his stat books for him. So it was definitely, you know, just this amazing family. You know, the Pebbles are, are great people. And, and I think that's one thing that some people don't know about him. What an amazing man he sounded like. Thank you so much for your time and sharing these wonderful memories with us. Coach Ed Peppa will forever be missed. You're listening to 88.9 The Bridge. <music>